Welcome to the Dynamax Podcast, Maine's premier powerlifting and strength sports podcast. From studios in Westbrook, Maine, with your hosts, Matt Israelson and Matt Strong. Hey, everybody. I think we're live. This is episode 29 of the Dynamax podcast. Are we on the Dynamax account? I hope so. Uh, you want, You should check real quick. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that we're live. Oh, yeah, we are. Okay. Does it say that we're live? Yeah. That means that we're live. I got a pop-up. Okay. Sweet. Hey, everybody. We're live. We're live. So we're doing this by the seat of our pants here. Um, but we're that's not scared. Okay. We don't care. We're not scared. Um, we've got... Um, we're preparing to do a Q&A with you guys. We've got some people that have already uh, called in, not called in, they texted in some questions. Um, so, you so want to start with... Uh, it's uh, number 29, yep. but it's number one live ever. This is the first live one. All right, so 29 slash one. Yes. We're here brute, we are. We're kind of brute forcing the live thing going on here. Oh, I'm in. Matt, Matt needs to get in. I know. I got to get oh. over here. <laughs> Somebody was out. All right, I think, all right, we're in now. Okay. All right, so, um, this is funny. There's definitely, so for those who are actually um, tuned in, we have two cell phones right now, which is why they probably don't line up. One of them's live on Facebook. One of them's live on Instagram. Uh, This is our first time doing this. We made it 29 episodes knowing what we're doing, and we're back to having no idea what we're doing again, so it feels good. And it took two engineers to set up two tripods on the lamp, yes. but we did it. And we're still only like a quarter in the, uh, the. I think the Instagram feed looks a little bit better than the uh, Facebook feed, but that's okay. All right, um, first question is uh, Ryan from Portland. Okay. We know him. Oh, it's our own Ryan. Yes. All right. <laughs> he wants to know um, the key differences when training a raw lifter versus a multiply lifter and if there's any difference in competition frequency, like would you have a multiply lifter compete less than a uh, raw lifter or more? Okay, so I'm you, gonna tap out and give that one to Matt. All right, <laughs> if, that one was intended for Matt. Okay. No, you jump in if you want. Yeah. All right, so you take as far as frequency. Yeah, frequency is frequency, frequency is gonna go, in my opinion, on age if raw or geared. If you really, yeah, okay. if you're a younger guy, you can lift maybe three, four contests a year. If you started getting on a little bit, you got a lot of contests under your belt. One or two, I think, makes sense for either side of the, either side of that coin. Yeah. Okay? Now, the training side of it, geared or raw, it's all about foundation. What, I mean, who can lift, who, who lifts the best, geared or raw? People with a good foundation, people that have trained. Okay? So if you want to know if there's a difference between the two, I really don't think so. You, you, you have to train, like, Whatever you're based on, four days a week is what we do. Yep. So my guys that were doing rod did four days a week. We did essentially the same program. Maybe some of the setups are different. Maybe the squad approach is a little different if you're going to be raw, but it, it's not a big deal. I, I guess is that was is that what's happening out there? There's all this difference. I don't know. Well, no. I think the people. Uh, I mean, I think the uh, the answer a lot of people expect is mm-hmm. the you know the accommodating resistance factor yeah, right but i think i mean i just got uh through a big cycle of accommodating resistance as a raw lifter right. very beneficial you, you again it goes back to the foundation you let you just laid yourself a really good foundation by doing that uh, yeah. can you can you take a little more if with gear on probably right i mean another five percent more to train with i suppose 
But okay, so let me ask you this: If you've got a, I'm kind of more curious about the frequency of competition. Right. Um, so say you've got the same person, right? Healthy twenty-five-year-old, right? Do you think they could compete more or less with powerlifting gear? Maybe one more meet than the raw guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. But then think about, and then you go to the level of the lifter. So if it's a new lifter, he's going to hit maybe the state meet and the Joe's local, you know, garage meet. But if somebody's going to nationals and worlds, they're going to go twice a year. Mm-hmm. So level two, I think, counts. Level gotcha. of level of lifting goals, but four meets a year is a lot. Yeah, that's pretty much constantly being in a lift uh, a cycle. <laughs> A uh, training cycle. It's a training cycle year round, so you're not you're not going to do that for too long if you want to advance in the sport, because you're going to start getting interested in nationals and or worlds or something. You're not going to go to the state meet and the the hot dog meet or whatever <laughs> the Italian ham Italian meat. I feel like you're coming up with really good ideas for how to brand our meats yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> so we'll steal those too. But yeah. I hope that answers that. It does. I don't know. You want to know the real answer? Yeah. You have to train hard. I don't care what you're wearing. It's a good answer. Okay, really. Get in the gym and train. So, RJ asks, how many meets are you holding for 2018? Oh, that's a real RJ. That's real. Hey, RJ. Hey, bro. <laughs> for 2018, we have three for you and one for women. Four total. Four total. I, that's, uh, that's, that's the bar you guys are trying to set for the foreseeable future, right? Never know. One push-pull, two full meets, and a woman's only? Yeah. There we go. And RJ, I hope you caught the announcement yesterday. Um, we're taking our meets back to the armory, and we just announced May 12th is our next full open man and woman powerlifting meet. Yeah, but the woman's meet will be here. The woman's meet will be here in the gym. In, uh, behind Amato's. Yeah, and we're sort of trying to make a decision about next year because the, the women's meet filled up in six days, which is awesome. We got a ton of interest in the event. Um, so we may move it. Yeah, so we have to decide, do we want to make this a bigger meet and do you know expand and get a different venue, or do we want to sort of keep it small and keep it in the gym and have it sort of be like intimate and over by noon, which is nice. Um, so if anybody has any feedback about that, yeah, ladies, we'd, welcome, we'd welcome your opinion. Yeah, that was something we were talking about. You know, yeah. what is preferred for the lifter as far as do you want to have a meet capped at 25 lifts or right. do you want to and have it get over quickly or would you rather lift until 6 p.m. with 75 lifters? Well, you know? we only cap the ladies because it's here. Right. I mean, right. I think we probably could have gone, whatever we would have got, maybe we would And we have a huge, like, variety of ability levels at the women's meet, but in some ways it's kind of like... It's a nice beginner's meet because it's small and because it's all women. And I think a lot of women are drawn to that. Like if they're going to do their first meet ever, like this is a good one for them to do. So maybe keeping it small is like in some way attractive to those sort of first time lifters. So, you know, maybe that's like a niche that we want to fill, but we have a whole year to decide. Got plenty of time to figure <laughs> it out. It'll always be. We're all about women lifting. So what was the, uh, was the armory, uh, you guys first choice? We were shopping. Yeah, we shopped. Been, I think it's definitely going to be uh, an improvement. I probably did. We did four there, four or five there. Yeah, in the, in the back past. in the day. Yeah. How long has it been since you were there? I think maybe four years. Four years. Yeah. Okay. Um. So RJ wants to know if Mark Ironfield is our poster boy. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, he is on a bunch of photos. So officially, yes, but I will just um, say that I did not select that photo. Our marketing manager picked it. Oh, Brian? <laughs> Brian. Oh, our, your marketing manager? I don't want people to think I'm biased, you know. Okay. That was just, like, the best picture that we had. 
on one of the... Oh, uh, get that, RJ? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get you next time. Yeah, you gotta just be you a little more sure photogenic. Yeah, make yeah. sure to smile pretty during your lifts. Wow. He had his shins all duct taped and everything, too. But yeah, still, he he, and he go. still won. <laughs> oh, those questions are coming up. Yeah. I see. How many people are listening right now? Watching. Huge numbers. Huge numbers. <laughs> Episode one. Yeah. <laughs> right? So let's go to... Uh, so there was a question for you. At okay. I'm nervous. Um, hold on. I'm going to pull it up. All right. Crystal from Kennybunk. She's been working out at home. Doesn't have the confidence to get to a commercial gym yet. Uh, she wants to know what are the, the top three, of, for your choice, glute building exercises that could be done with just dumbbells and a bench. Oh, there's so much. Um, so the first exercise I would probably do is just um, um, a hip thrust. You can put a band around your knees. Um, you don't even need to use a dumbbell, but if you want to progress to a dumbbell over time, that's great. Um, so you can just Google barbell hip thrust, or you can Google hip thrust and, you know, see plenty of videos that'll teach you how to do it. And the advice that I'd give you is just go really slow and focus on trying to contract your glutes through the whole movement. Um, the second I would do... So do you even need a bench for that? Like, would you put your feet up on the bench for that? Or? No, you'd, you'd put your back on a bench or a box or even your sofa. Like, when I do them at home, I will often just use my sofa. Okay. Um, so that works great. The second um, exercise I might do is again with a band. Um, if you get on your knees, it's called just a quadruped hip extension. I was doing them out here before I came in to do the podcast. Um, put a band around your knees and then just one leg at a time. You just sort of um, kick up, which is hard to explain, but it's like it almost like you can envision like a Jane Fonda workout, what they so used it's to like do a in aerobics. On your yeah, so like with your knee bent, just like pivot your knee up so that your leg is your your hamstring is parallel to the floor. Okay. So that is probably number two, and then number three, I would definitely do something for the glute medius, so like the side glute, and for that, I would just um, you know, it's we it's called like a. I don't even know, but you can stay in that same position sort of on your hands and knees on the floor and then kick your knee out to the side instead of back. Mm. So you can do that just as a superset, keep the band around your knees for all three, all three movements. Um, do like maybe 15 to 20 of the hip thrust, turn over, do about like 12 to 15 of the kickback and then do 12 to 15 on the side. Would, uh, so those were done, I was not expecting any of those. I was expecting you to say like, uh, what is it when you get your leg back? Oh, a Bulgarian split squat. Is that even that's, that's is that good, more but, quad than but that's glute? Good. Well, it's uh, that's like quads oh, and glutes. Jesus. So if you're trying, I was thinking like trying to target just the glutes. Yep. But that's like definitely another one you can do at home. So now that we have live video, I could demonstrate these, but I won't today because I'm not prepared to do that. Yeah, it would be like a weird <laughs> mix of people that would be that would only see it. I know. I know. And I know, like, on a lot of the other, like, uh, Joe Rogan, they get lost into the visual piece. And I still think that, you know, podcast is mostly audio. So the, the video is great. Uh, let's see. Who we got here? We got Matt Smith is on. with the Power Doc. Hey, Power Doc. Yeah, and the other thing I would say about that is just, like, starting at home is a great way to build confidence. You can do a lot at home, and you can do enough so that you have a plan and you feel like you, you know the exercises, and then you can go into the gym. And even if you just do those same exercises, at least you're in the gym, you're getting familiar with it. So that's, like, a really great way to sort of transition into more of a hardcore strength training routine. Starting at home on the sofa. Why not? RJ says, uh, his head is already big. This is just making it bigger. <laughs> 
as well, far as uh, again, I, I had nothing to do with this. Well, we invited RJ to be on now. So. <laughs> yeah, you're you're welcome. You're so welcome. you can shine on the podcast. He he may be the poster boy, but he does not have the interview yet. So um, doing this podcast kind of by the seat of our pants here. Um, does anybody else who's here? Maybe the power doc have any questions for us? Yeah, maybe uh, they want to feed us some stimulus. Yeah, throw us something. I Here. think we I think we made a mistake by keeping the phones so far away. I know. I, well, that's we're what we're saying. Yeah. I Give us like, a second, folks. What? Uh, yeah. It's all right. No, no live questions, but that's fine. So this is obviously stuff that we're going to try to do more in the uh, in the future, and hopefully in the future we'll be able to give you guys a bigger heads up, so that if you do want to tune in, you'll be able to. Um, if you're uh, our listening public, will know exactly. Yeah, nobody knew. Yeah, this. I mean, I sent out a a thing on my Instagram pretty much when I asked you if you wanted to do it like yeah. two hours ago, and that's how we got the the few questions that we did. We may get some more. Oh yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, Let's talk about your meet coming up. Yeah. He's going USA. Club. I know. I'm excited. I know. My uh, my thumbs were destroyed today from pulling hook grip. I had to... Uh, I actually... So I did... I had seven triples scheduled at 4.30. And I had to... Uh, on the last one I had to go... Or second to last one I went over under. And the very last one I just went straps. Okay. Um, Why... Um why the over? Why double? Why hook up? Yeah, I feel like with the stiff bar, mm -hmm. I'm just trying to get as oh, much advantage call. as okay. possible. Yeah. What is interesting is I haven't been ripping my hands as much. You haven't been because I think I can actually grip it tighter. I think there's less roll. Exactly, and I think it's the roll plus uh, all of your deadlift bars that are new have They're the very sharp. Have the knurling, and I've been using the bench bars, which are a little. That's softer. right. You're back to the power bars. That's right. Yeah. So what's the date of that meet? It is the twenty fourth. It's in Brunswick? It's in Augusta. Augusta. Twenty fourth of February. Oh, okay. So I got uh I got some time. I don't know how exactly how many weeks out I am. Um but yeah, getting real specific with the training, walking out the squats. Mm -hmm. How do you like that? Uh, it's tough, but it's uh it's kind of a nice change. I have a love hate relationship with knee wraps. So it's fun and it's exhilarating to squat and knee wraps, but it's such a pain in the ass. And it's that's all I can see when I look at. Like I know I could squat more. I mean I don't compete anymore, so who cares? But like I know I would add a lot to my squat, but like it's just too much work. I can't. I can't do it. It's it adds a lot of I can't want to do it to the um, yeah yeah to the squat itself because you've got to time it right in the meet right. in the gym. You don't have to worry about that when you're doing a wrap squat. The squat rack is yours. Um, but when you're uh, when you're at a meet, you got to time right. it right. There's so many little things, you know. Someone could skip a, someone could pass on a squat, and now you got to hurry. So I'm kind of relieved that I'm not uh, wrapping my knees. Oh, so you're not wrapping for this? Meet. You can't. No, you can't wrap. No, for, so for USA, the biggest there are changes. Eyes, no wraps. Yeah, that meet we went to. Were they wrapping? I don't remember. If they were, it would have been. Gear. Oh no, sleeves. Sleeves, yeah. right. You can do that? Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. Have these and on. even as a judge, like, I sit there, and for some reason when I judge, I always, like, sit looking at the lifters. So I can see, like, as people are getting ready, they're, like, stressed out, and they're hustling, and they're, like, you know, trying to time oh, it right. Oh, it's the worst time of the meet. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, if you end up wrapping your own wrist straps, it's brutal on the hands. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. It's, it's a grip workout to, to wrap those things back up before you actually wrap them on someone's knees. You pull the slack out of them. 
and that's uh that's brutal so we did get another question from ryan um mm -hmm. but ryan we already answered your question which was about the differences in training between geared and raw lifters so i'm going to modify your question mm -hmm. um what do you guys think is um differences in training for male and female power lifters the one thing that comes to my mind and you know i'm no expert but bench volume. I feel like women mm. need a ton more bench volume than men to make progress. So lower weight, more reps, or just more volume in general? M more volume in general, more frequency. Like I, I, I was doing a program where I was only benching like like once a week. I think maybe one heavy day and one lighter day, and it was almost just not. A, it just wasn't enough. Like I wasn't. I was spinning my wheels. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Have you found? Do you have any opinion on that topic? I, I, I yeah. What you said because. Mm -hmm. I think the, the data shows that women's upper body are not as strong as men's. And they, so, i.e., they need more work. Right. And, and rest isn't the answer. Infrequency isn't the answer. More of the right work is the answer, what you just said. Okay. Triceps, delts, lats, and the bench itself. You know, upper back. Upper, all the posterior, yeah. triceps. You can forget the pecs as far as I'm concerned, but if you want to do some, do it. But. Yeah, I've had the most success making progress on bench when I'm benching two days a week, but with like a crap load of volume, like eight or ten sets plus accessory work. And I, I, I'm in agreement on that. And I have, I have almost all women for clients now. So one of them benches two days in a row, and her bench is back moving. Back to back. Yes. Is that, that's, is that by design or is that by... We, it was by accident. And then we ended up, that's just the way we're doing it now. And her bench is going up. So what about more volume in general? Because I've read that women can sustain higher volume in training. And my theory on that is just because they're not as strong. So they're not working as close to like a percentage of their, their one rep max. More volume of all three lifts? Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, I, I think both men and women need more volume. Most, most of the time, more volume in the right percentage. But do you think that women need more volume than men in general? Um... Same answer as the gear thing. Depends where they're at. Okay. Level. I don't really have much to uh, to add to that. I don't really... Uh, I mean, Jessie is the only one that, like, I kind of help with her training. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, but she has a program. She has a program, and I basically just... I think it's the same... I think it's the same where, like, a lot of it is just making sure that people stick to it and that they don't let the... Uh, you know, you don't let like, oh, well, I, that was a kind of a bad one. I want to get a better one. Well, it's like, well, no, you have six sets. You did your sixth one. You're done now. Right. I think keeping people, I think that's one of the, the biggest things, biggest issues people have is just staying on the program. Right. So I would think that, um, I think that for me, that's the, that's the only thing that I can really contribute to that is you got to just help them stay on the program. Right. So you've started benching more and it's working? I mean, I've, I've gone through phases where I bench more and I bench less, and I'm definitely more successful when I bench more. Okay. Like, one day a week benching is not nearly enough for me. Right. So let's tell everybody how, how you're doing it, because I know your bench is going up. I saw it anyway. Before. Yeah. So was it two days? It's two days. I mean, it's pretty, this is typical shit, but it's right. like one, one heavier day with lower mm -hmm. reps, right. one like higher rep day. And then on both of those days, I add something like close grip bench or pause bench or um, a slow eccentric bench, you know, some, something just to like get that time under tension. 72 hours apart? Approximately. Yeah. <laughs> A couple days later? Two, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 72 hours, folks, it seems to be the best numbers on all the lifts, so from heavy to light. All right, so we got two new questions, one from oh. RJ and one from Ryan. Um, <laughs> these ones are uh, these are real questions. So 
RJ wanted to know what are uh, some basic movements for building a bigger deadlift. Okay. Um, mine are going to be uh, basically the I just call them harder the harder variations. Okay. So this is the pause, the deficits, the snatch grip, the mm -hmm. stiff legs. I think those. It's simple, and you're you're it, it is the movement that you're trying to get better at. Um, the other ones that I've been doing have been just. Uh, I stole this from Kaylor Woolham, who's got the uh, 220 all-time world record. I like saw a that guy. 927 pounds. No, I saw him in the mag. Oh. <laughs> that was impre it's impressive. Did you, I think I gave you the magazine. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been right, doing my um, my rows and shrugs just starting from the floor so I get an extra deadlift in. So what was the question? What are some movements? Or? Yeah, some basic movements um, for building the, a bigger deadlift. Well, aside from the reverse hyper glute ham, uh, concentric, you know, dead stop. Good mornings. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I've been loving those. She's lately. doing those. Yeah. Do you do that um, with a straight bar? I do it with straight bar. Some people use safety bar. Because I was doing it with a safety bar, and I feel like you gotta. I feel like I'm not doing those right. You gotta okay. give me a lesson. We'll go over that. But I just, just to, I just uh, saw a podcast with Lou Simmons. All right, and it just reinforced what I've been doing for years. They don't pull off the floor heavy max ever at Westside, and they're all eight and nine hundred lift pullers. They, they're all blocks. If they go off the floor, it's against the bands or suspended in the bands. Other than that, it's off blocks, it's in the rack, and that's it. Never never max out. It's way too emotionally draining if you miss one, or even if you get it. Yeah. you got to go back and do that again in a meet. So no maxing, RJ. A lot of, um, a lot of block work, a lot of against the band work if you want to stay on the floor, or suspend them in the band. Okay? That's my best suggestion. And if you don't Believe me, ask Louis Simmons. <laughs> you got anything to add to that, Emily? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I'll tell you that, uh, something else. It's working for these guys I'm training with. I don't think uh, I don't think I can add anything to what Louis Simmons says. <laughs> you might have some. I mean, you've uh, you you started. She has a good deadlift. Yeah, exactly. No, no. Yes, you do. Um, so what's Ryan's question? Ryan's questions were: uh, <laughs> What are the benefits of? She just deflected. <laughs> Ryan's question was, what is the benefit of box squats for raw lifters? Oh, yeah, I've been wondering that. Good question. Is that for me? Who's that for Montague. me? Montague. Okay. Yeah. The benefit of box squat, first and foremost, is it's the best way to learn how to squat. Okay? If I have somebody come in here that wants to squat, if I want to teach them without a box, it's going to take me about three sessions. If, they, if we go on a box, it's going to take me about ten minutes. All right? That's first and foremost. Secondly, do you want to, did he say for raw? Yeah. All right, well, who doesn't want to be explosive? A raw lifter, a gear lifter? Is there anybody that doesn't want to be explosive? If you don't want to be, stay off the box. If you want to be explosive, learn how to squat on the box, learn how to rock just a little bit, and explode off the box with your feet essentially flat. A little bit of heel drive if you want. Th again, no difference. I don't know where all this uh, divide has come, but. What do you mean divide? Between raw and geared. Oh. You have to train. If you want to ask me, you got to get on the box at least 60% of the time. It, that's minimum. Do you think that the, as far as the rock, does that change between geared and multiply? Because I feel like when I do my box squats, I have a much, I, I rock less than you guys do. We, yeah. Like well, I spend like a very small amount of time in the box where you guys may spend a little bit more time on yeah, the box. Yeah, we're trying to minimize that too, but you've got to rock or it's not a box squat. It's just a touch and go bullshit. Yeah. Just uh, cutting it high. It's basically. just saying I, I squatted on the box tonight. Yeah. I hope that answered that, Ryan. Okay. 
We've got... Desiree's here. Hi, Desiree. Hi from <laughs> California. Carolyn says hi, too. Happy New Year. That's Elaine Braun. Hamburger squats? Yeah. Hamburger squats. Quick visit. Do you want to add anything? <laughs> to what? <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't listening. Do you have any questions? For? The little podcast that's live right now? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming in. Um, We got a a question from Gabe. Let's do it. Uh, Gabe wants to know, uh, do you believe in training assistance movements to failure, like triceps pushdowns, bicep curls? Why are you pointing at me? You like to do that stuff to failure, don't you? Yeah, close to. I don't. Matt and I were talking about this the other day. I some something I totally failed at when I was powerlifting is the whole concept of like training below your max because from the beginning when I started strength training especially as a woman I think like you're taught use the heaviest weight that you can use to complete all your sets and I think that women are taught that or people are taught that women especially because they're trying to teach you like you need to go heavier over time you need to do progressive overload so when I started powerlifting like I was never on a program that called for certain like percentages and I think one thing I did really really wrong was going at like way too high a level of effort in all my training. Even the assistant stuff? Yeah, because I don't know how to hold back. Like I just go fucking balls to the wall. And like I can say, okay, I'm gonna use a lighter weight today, but then I'll probably like do more reps or more sets. So I'm always like working at that nine RPE. And that's terrible and I know that, but sure, when I do my assistance work, yeah, I'm always trying to like go heavier. Oh, wait a minute, let's back that up just a second. Nine RPE is, Except on the big three, I think it's fine. Okay. You know, not that's not good on the on the big three lifts. Right. But nine RPE on the rest of the stuff is fine. Okay, good. No problem there. So yeah. then the so, answer to Gabe's question is... Yeah, well, so yes. what was the question exactly? The question is, um, <laughs> do you believe in training assistance movements to failure? We certainly believe in it. It, it definitely exists. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, and no. Gabe knows that because we train together. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the hell's you wrong train, with you, Gabe? You can't. You can train them. You can train them for three workouts in a row to failure, and you have to change it because you, you'll adapt to it. I don't care what the weight is. You'll start adapting to that. Once you adapt to it, you're, you're going to either move backwards or stay where you're at. So you have to change the exercises and the rep scheme. So my two cents on that is I like doing. I think that a lot of the assistant stuff, it's better to just go till failure or go for time than to do three sets of 15 at a heavy weight. Why not just do three AMRAPs and maybe you only get five more reps out of it. But it, I think it changes the way that you think about training, especially when you're under those stressful, uncomfortable situations. You want to be able to push it. You know, when you, when you want to quit, you do three more reps. So that's a good way, everybody, yeah. for what, what we just said. So you've done one day, one week of all 15s are to failure. Now you go to, Matt said, to this week we're going to time them. Just keep changing it. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, Gabe flipped us off, and he said, just making conversation here. We appreciate your question, Gabe. We're giving you a hard time. Yeah, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so Elaine uh, Braun asks, are short people better lifters? Uh... My answer, my answer to that is yes. Well, there's, there's, a, there's an advantage. <laughs> okay. To, go ahead. So this is an interesting question. I've often sort of thought that the answer is yes because they have shorter limbs and they're therefore they're, they have better leverage. But it's not always true. So my mom, for example, is pretty short. She's like a rock star deadlifter. 
she's a terrible squatter and she's a terrible bencher. So I think she has pretty long arms proportionally. So like I think, you know, her that makes her deadlift good and her bench bad. So it's not necessarily about being short, it's about your proportions. If your proportions are sort of equal and you're short, you'll probably be a better lifter than a taller person with like similar proportions. Am I making sense? Absolutely. Okay. I think it's all about proportions. It's about right. the proportions. If, if, go ahead. I was gonna sorry. I was gonna say if you're really short, you're gonna have some issues, and if you're really tall, you're gonna have some issues. So it's obviously sure. Yeah. It's something, and it's it's not necessarily like a five foot nine person. It's someone who's got the long arms and the shorter legs and short back. Yeah. Uh, Wide Me hips. Wide hips, medium length on the legs. That's the ideal. So that you could be that height and have any of those ideal proportions. Do you but think she was asking, is the rabbi a good lifter because she's short? Yeah, because they compete with everything you do. Right. <laughs> but the rabbi's a good lifter cause because she's, she's a, a fucking badass. And she trains Not because she's short. <laughs> and she trains like a crazy woman. Love, so, love you, Carolyn. <laughs> actually, Carolyn asked is what she uh, wanted to clarify there. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we have um, uh, Wellsy132 asks, how often would you include chains, chains or bands in raw training? So we got more on the divide here. I don't, it's okay. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people, a lot of uh, popular raw programs right now, 531, Juggernaut, it's straight bar. Straight bar. Straight weight. Straight weight. Yep. Uh, 16 weeks, off a percentage, or off an RPE. Yeah. So how do, I guess is, uh, would you do it more frequently or less frequently, um, the accommodating resistance being bands and chains with raw versus... Well, first of all, 16 weeks of straight weight, I'm going to be bored out of my mind. I'm yeah. going to smash my head off the wall, first of all. And second, because I need some kind of change. Yeah. Right? But it's all done in waves. We've, uh, we've talked about this many times. In fact, bands even less, because it's really hard on your central nervous. If you're going to squat and pull against the band's central nervous system, really gets taxed. So maybe two weeks of that. Change, you can go three weeks. Change, you can take for deload, too. So you don't have to use chains on a max effort day. You can take that and deload with it. Or you can do speed bench with it. We're not using... In fact, I heard Louis Simmons say they don't deadlift with chains anymore. It, it sucks. That's kind of a pain in the ass because they always get in the way. He, they they gave up on them. The West Side threw them out for deadlift, so we hadn't done them either. It's really loud. It's loud. You, yeah. you drop the weights on them. Yeah, that's what's pain in the ass. Is that so you can never get them to land. The, in the I can right give spot. you. I can give you fifteen other deadlift workouts without them if you want. So. It's just not practical. Right. It's good on paper, but right. then you go and do it. And so, it's, all right. So the frequency for gear to raw chains and bands. It, it depends on what you're doing it for. If you're using the bands for uh, dynamic work, mini bands on bench, you could do it every week. If you're going to uh, do dy dynamic bench once a week, use the mini bands every week. It doesn't matter. You get bored, though. Uh, if you're going to use them for max effort work, two weeks in a row, maybe. And then back off. Possibly so three weeks. Deload to straight weight if you want. Okay. Yeah. And That's you're saying that you would deload with chains but not with bands? You could deload with a, uh, you'd have to compensate bar weight with how much the, say, the light bands give you or the medium bands. You're not going to deload with the, the blue bands, the heavy bands. Of course, right. Or her could silver you, bands. I don't think you could do much with those silver bands. We haven't even tried them yet. You haven't squatted against them yet? No. These are the rogue 200 pounders. Yeah. I mean, they're like. I'm not sure anybody could squat against them. I mean, I, I mean they must make them, them for something, yeah. right? It's for hanging upside down. Uh, oh. So I hope that answered that. I think you did. Okay. We got another Ryan Decent mm -hmm. question here, Ryan Montague. Um, 
So, and this is something that we kind of already answered. This was definitely a question for you, but I'm gonna tweak it just a little bit. So he asked, what are the best hamstring and glute exercises? I wanna know what are the best hamstring glute exercises that you can do in Dynamax because there's no direct hamstring curl. Yeah, so I like hamstring curls a lot, and because I can't do them, I do a ton of variations on the glute ham. So I started just like, I remember the first time I tried to do a glute ham raise, I could not do a single one unassisted. My coach had to like push me up. So I worked hard at that and I started out using like a pole to like assist me. And then I got to the point that I could do like 15 or something. Our, our glute ham is not very, um, like you can't angle it very much. So Ryan's- Yeah, let's get a new one. Ryan's twist on that is for strength, not for big butts. <laughs> Thanks for strength. clarifying, right? <laughs> Big butts equals strength. Um, no, I don't, I don't think it makes a difference. Um, so my, my favorite is glute ham raise. I do some like slow eccentrics. I do some weighted. I do. I haven't tried against the band. I think I saw you doing that once. Um, I see some people in here doing hamstring curls with like a band attached to a bench. I never could get much out of that, and I don't know that you can't really load that up anyway, Ryan, so I don't know that that would be for strength. That's my best answer. I guess like um, good mornings are another good one. The bench um, stops. Yep, the dead stop good mornings, but I try to do some bent leg, uh, sorry, some like knee bending hamstring stuff and some hip extension hamstring stuff. Um, and really the only knee, what do you call it? Like knee dominant? What do you, like, you, you guys know like, what I mean. Like curling. Curling, yeah, yeah. The only curling thing you can do at Dynamax is, is on the glute okay. ham raise. Mm -hmm. All right. I was doing um, the band curls on the bench, but with one leg today. Oh, how was that? I was getting a good... I mean, it's more, it's not like a clean time under tension, like nice and slow. Right, I was exactly. kind of like really jerking it basically oh, with, <laughs> one leg, with one leg. Um, and obviously, so it's twice the load that is required for a leg. So you get a little bit more out of it. Um, but my personal favorite, this question probably wasn't for me, but my personal favorite is um, stiff leg dumbbell deadlifts. Or I think they call, what is it called when you don't touch the ground? deadlifting when you kind of just hover in between it's like a romanian, romanian. Or a straight leg deadlift yeah, yeah. i think yeah. i think romanian is the term but i think with dumbbells because of the way that they're shaped you can get them closer mm -hmm. so you can actually keep your legs stiffer than with a barbell i was trying to do stiff leg deadlifts today which i haven't done in a long time and when i used to do them with my legs actually stiff the bar is way out in front of you yeah so it's, yeah. it's hard to actually do a true stiff like a deadlift with a bar a barbell and keep it close well it's especially hard for men i think because like i see ch like bikini chicks doing them and they have so much hamstring flexibility yeah. that they can actually do it stiff leg and like go all the way to the and floor and actually like you know scrape on the shins the whole way down and i have like almost no hamstring flexibility so like when i try to do that I, my range of motion is like six inches so. right it's just like a stiffer leg deadlift right instead of an actual stiff and stiff leg but ryan i'd like to to give a challenge for you because i've been working on these single leg glute hams um and i can't even do an eccentric without falling so i have to do it assisted but maybe you could work on trying to do a single leg glute ham raise i'll try and to that way if you can do that your hamstrings will be strong as fuck so that's my recommendation. <laughs> I gotta say that when we when I've done the single leg with the with, with the assistance, that is probably one of the best. It's the best hamstring, hamstring. tension I've ever got. Yeah, it feels like cables. Feels steel awesome. cables for hamstrings. All right. Matt, you have any questions for us? Qu question for you guys? Yeah. Um, let's see. All Matt Smith has to add is sumo Romanian five by five. That's all he said. Yeah, we've done that. <laughs> oh, 
Good. That was good. Thanks, Matt. So we, we're good. going in between live streams there. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh-oh. All right, I've got a question. Okay. Because yeah, I just, well, he said, Ryan said, not for size, for strength and mm-hmm. glutes. Now, don't you think all the glute work you do, if you wanted to, I know you're not thinking about competing, don't you think you could be ready really soon because of all, your glutes are strong? For what? For a powerlifting competition? Yeah, it, within reason, with eight, ten weeks or something. But Yeah, probably. You, because of all that work you do. It has nothing to do with the shape. I mean, the shape is great. Don't get me wrong. But Thanks, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I love the shape. But you're strong. <laughs> but you're strong because of that. Well, sure. I mean, you can be ready for a powerlifting meet anytime you want. It's just a matter of how well you're going to do. Right. But you're not even... In eight weeks is a short cycle if you haven't been really training for it. I think because of all the stuff you do, uh, this is what I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. Don't you think you could be ready quick? Don't you think you're in, Yeah, you're probably. I'm so much less focused on that now. Like a lot of the glute stuff I do now is like stability and core stuff. Right. Um, so it's more, it's, it's less about like getting absolute strength and mm-hmm. more about getting like, you know, really good stability and um, just more like training for life, I guess. Correct. But that's, and I was trying to funnel that back to his question. Yes, you get size out of it. They're not unrelated, is what you're saying. Correct. Well, so what I think the analogy is, though, is like, so say if I was like, Maddie, I want a chest exercise. You wouldn't say bench. You might say do some flies. Yeah. As far like if I just wanted like a pump it in only my pecs, Pectoral, right? Pectoral, yes. Exactly. Like, obviously doing flies isn't going to benefit my bench. Right. It might a little bit because it's going to put some width on there and it's definitely going to help, but it's mm-hmm. not a primary. I mean, I haven't done flies in... A long ass time. Yeah, when was the last time you did? I, I couldn't. When was the last time you hit the pec deck? I couldn't. I just used to use it for delts. We'd yeah, sit facing in the backwards. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we have a great question. All right. Okay, I have to look again. Oh, it was um, it was good. Mm. What do you guys think about online coaching? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's uh, I think it's great if you want to make some money. Uh, <laughs> it's obviously probably the easiest way to monetize yourself as a power lifter. But there's a ton of competition. There's out a there. ton of competition out there. I don't think it's the most effective way to gain because we've seen a lot of people that do online coaching and they miss the one-on-one interaction. The you know to be able to walk in the gym and tell that someone is having a good day or a bad day. You can't see that as an online coach. Right. I know this is something we talk about multiple times. Right. Um, I mean, personally, I don't think that I would, unless it was someone that I had a, a good personal relationship with, I wouldn't get an online coach. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go out and hire the biggest person on uh, wherever to do, you know, like the biggest person on uh, Mark Bell or whatever to do my program because he doesn't know me. Right. You know, if I had moved and I wanted Maddie to do my programming, well, I would trust. That's a totally different thing. Though. Exactly. Right. So I, I have, I have. A lot of experience with this so I've worked with coaches in person and then also those same coaches online um, like Matt said I think it's really valuable if a coach knows you well but even then they can't see everything like my coach Brett he watched my videos for years and years and years and the first time I was actually in his gym and I squatted with him there he's like I just saw so much stuff that I never saw in your videos so like if you're a power lifter that's like trying to progress and you're you're making form changes like there's nothing that an online coach they they just can't see what they need to see however i think if you're like living out in the middle of nowhere and there's no good coaches in your area it is so much better to have an online coach and to get whatever value you can and to get help with your programming and to get expert advice than it is to completely try to do it on your own so 
I'm not trying to say it's as good as having a real coach, but I think I, I see a lot of value there. So what, one thing that Gabe clarified, or what are some red flags you think for a bad online coach? Um, so I, I think a lot of online coaches, and I understand why they do this because it's like they need to make money and they need to charge money for their time. But I think a lot of online coaches don't actually do custom programming. And and a lot of people don't need custom programming. Like, I don't need custom programming. Like, I don't know if you even need custom programming. Um, like, sure, everybody has weaknesses and you have to, like, work on your weaknesses. But I think a lot of the time you're just sort of, like, buying, like, a, a plug-and-chug thing. Sell and, spreadsheet. Which is fine, but do you really need an online coach for that? You could just buy a program. So right. you really need to look at, like, exactly what are you trying to work on and what will this online coach offer you do you have a weekly check-in where you can like express your concerns or are you really just like buying a program with no additional support so i don't know those are things to consider but i've i've had great experiences with online coaching i wouldn't i wouldn't know half the shit i know if i if i hadn't done that i think the one thing that i would not that i've ever um fell for this per se but if they're charging you an outrageous amount and you are just your average every even if you are an exceptional power lifter unless you're setting world records if someone is charging you more than 75 bucks a month for this stuff you're probably getting hosed i uh i mean i had someone a quasi celebrity lifter i reached out to and asked for programming they wanted something like 300 bucks for four weeks yeah with you know once a week check-in or something and that's, you know, unless I'm Larry Wheels and I really need that kind of attention, I think that that is just ridiculous. And I it think is. it's kind of uh, a little bit sleazy for those people to to fish that out there because they're, they, you know, they're just seeing if you bite, you know. They're casting out seeing if you bite. Yeah, and I, I respect people in the fitness industry and I respect that they need to make a living. So, like, that's sort of a tough thing to say. But, again, it's like, what are you getting for that $200 a month? Um, the the powerlifting coach that I worked with when I lived in Boston, when I moved up here, I wanted to keep working with him. So I was like, I'll just transition to online coaching. And it was like a minimum of $220 a month. Um, and and I'm sure he charges more now. Um, and he, he, he does well for himself. Like, he's a well-known trainer. But for me, like, I didn't need that much support. Like, if you're a beginner and you're going to be sending them, like, five emails a day, maybe it's worth $200 a month. But for someone like you and someone like me that's pretty much going to get the program, go execute, send a video now and then, you don't need $200 a month of support. So it's like you got to sort of be honest with yourself about where where am I and... And what do I really need? And maybe it makes more sense to buy a canned program and then, like, pay a good coach, travel, and work with them one-on-one -on -one for, like, one session or something to try to get input about form. You know, it's mm -hmm. it, it just depends on who you are and what you need. As a final thing to add on that, I think it's good. It's obviously good to have a coach, but I think it's good to not have a coach, too. Yeah. And to just follow a program, stick to it, find out what works, find out what doesn't work, so that you can make the, the gut. When you need to make a choice based on your own gut and your coach isn't available, you have the confidence in doing that because you've gone through a program. And maybe you went through a program and found out that it, it did not prepare you well for a meet. I've done that. At my last May meet, I totally wiped myself out trying to peaking incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And by the time the meet came, it was garbage, you know? It's a luxury to not have to think for yourself, but I think it's an important thing as an athlete to learn to think for yourself. I agree with both sides. Matt has no thoughts. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, he said red flag. I was think I think the red flag would be if you get in touch with a coach and the first thing out of his mouth is, you know, what's your credit card? That's probably a red flag. Okay. You want to so. talk training and then we'll get to the price. Do we have time for one more question? I think sure. this is a good one to end with. This is a question for all three of us. This okay. is another one from Ryan. Who's your favorite current power lifter and why? I don't, I don't know if I have one. I'll go last. So my favorite... I can't say this. <laughs> you guys go first. I'll let you, uh, let's start with you, Manny. Do you have one? Uh, I don't follow it a lot, but this guy you just mentioned, the deadlifter. The Kaler? Yeah. Uh, Kaler Willem? Yes. He's, what is he, 220? He goes between 220 and 190. And he pulled 900. Okay. That's my favorite. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because there's some that are awesome to watch, like Steve Johnson, um, who, you know, pulled 940. You know, he broke uh, two, well over two, 2200, I think, at 242 raw. Um, but, you know... I got some love for the local guys too. Noah Dell is one of my favorite powerlifters because he's improved like 75% or 150% or whatever over a year. I get to train with him. I get to see his progress. I get to, when I'm lucky, affect his progress. So, you know, I like some of my favorite powerlifters are the local guys that I watch. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking of the question from that angle, but I can't possibly pick favorite. Of our Dynamax members. <laughs> in trouble. There's a couple of women in those magazines they give you, but I don't know their names. I like yeah. Steffi Cohen is on fire right now. Yeah, she's one she's of my favorites. Yeah, she's kind of fucking insane. She goes 500 for three at 132. Yeah, I mean, I like her. So, historically, one of my favorite powerlifters is Katie Ann. Everybody, I feel like everybody knows Katie Ann. She's beefy as fuck, and she's strong. But now she's like, she she's a dual athlete. She does... Um, like figure competitions and powerlifting and she's like in a figure phase right now so i'm not really following her so much but when she's powerlifting she's probably my um my favorite try to think i also i love watching dave hoff lifting gear so i'm going to say my favorite raw is steve johnson and my favorite gear is hoff because he's the best he's three thousand pound total three thousand pound total he benches over a thousand absolutely bonkers doesn't make sense squats 1200 like mm-hmm. it's insane yeah I'm good to go with him too alright uh, guys well can I ask one more question yeah, yeah okay are we like out of time no okay Um. so I, I suggested to Matt that we do a whole podcast about this it's a topic I'm really interested in um, do you guys have any good advice for massing other than just eat more calories for gaining, oh, for gaining size yeah. I feel like this is something that's really important because lifters, you know, you make progress, you make progress, you make progress. At some point, you can't fucking make progress anymore unless you, you get a little bit bigger. Yeah. Right. And it's not always easy to do when you're, like, as active as as we are. So it seems so simple, but I feel like it's actually not that simple. Yeah. Um, you want to go? You want to? Yeah. So this is something that I've been, I am not definitely not an expert on because I'm struggling to fill out the, well, well. One, even 198 in the uh, APF, but now 205 in the US APL. Um, two things though is whatever you're eating, make it easy to like eat, literally to eat. So um, something I stole from Stan Efferding was I did, you know, the classic meathead powerlifter meal is ground beef and rice. Right. I added Mash it up, mash cook it up. the rice a lot. I added chicken broth to it mm. and it made it a hell of a lot easier to go down. My other tip is to just never be hungry. 
if your stomach's growling, you're screwing up. Right. So make sure you you got to kind of get so in tune with your body that you're always ahead of your hunger. So you're eating, you got plenty of peanuts, you got plenty of bars, so that when you're in between meals, you're never hungry. That would be my, uh, and find what works and doesn't work for you because I've tried just slamming junk food and it just doesn't stick. I, I'll balloon up temporarily, but I, it doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's I gotta, eat, I gotta eat good foods and as much food as I can. Yeah, okay, training wise, You've got to change. You have to have decide how many days you're going to take. I think four is the best for anybody. Four days, two days to grow, two days to get stronger. Everybody know the difference? Mm-hmm. Okay, fifteen, twelve, fifteen reps with your accessory stuff, and that doesn't mean you're just shooting the breeze while you do thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. You're struggling to make the fourteenth and fifteenth rep. That's how you got to choose those weights. The strength days are two on the squat three on the bench and one on the deadlift and, and volume. So if you want to have 10 sets of one on deadlift, fine. You get eight doubles on squat and nine sets of three on bench and then follow with some light accessory. But you have this whole separate two accessory days for growth. If you want to get bigger from, if you want to get bigger, you have to eat correctly. If you eat like a bodybuilder, you're not going to get bigger. You're going to and eat by that you mean like the chicken, rice, the rice, the, the rice, rice cakes. Right. It's not going to work. Everybody remember this name, John Kiefer. You can go look him up. I read him a couple of things he wrote. They're fantastic on getting bigger, and he shoots the shit out of the bodybuilding eating. One thing that I've done, John is, Kiefer. John Kiefer. One thing yeah. that I've done is I've just taken chicken out of my diet because if I'm gonna it's eat, too lean. It's too lean, and there's no micronutrients in there. So it's like if what? I'm with less micronutrients. So if I'm gonna eat meat, I'm gonna eat beef right. because you get more out of it. Well, what about like dark meat chicken? Like, I eat a lot of really fatty, like, chicken thighs and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I like those better. I mean, oh, there is, yeah. there's obviously going to be some fat in there, but I just feel like you, like, if you're going to take, as far as, like, what's the most bang for your buck time-wise, like, that's one way that I got to think about it. Like, you have a half an hour to eat. What are you going to get the most out of? 40 grams of protein from chicken or 40 grams of protein from a fatty cut of red beef? Unfortunately, the thing you probably have to do is get some from liquid. You gotta, yeah. do, you gotta do a drink, or yeah. a couple of drinks. In I there. just bought more protein powder. I gotta get back on that soon. Yeah, weren't you off that for a long time? Mm-hmm. I've been no supplements whatsoever. Getting yeah. ready for this. Uh, yeah, CPL. So some of those cows are gonna have to come from a liquid. You're not gonna be able to put that kind of food in. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I think a big problem for me is just tracking. Like I don't track anything I eat. I pretty much never have. It's just like it doesn't it doesn't work for me. But then I think I'm eating more because I'll eat bigger meals. Mm-hmm. But then I eat bigger meals, so I'm less hungry later. So it's like I keep thinking, like, but I'm b- eating bigger portions, but I think I don't necessarily increase my calories. You know what I'm saying? One of the little tricks from this guy, Kiefer, is to eat when you're absolutely not supposed to, which is late, later in the Right, evening. eat before bed. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's what he said, and it does work, because I did it. Yeah, the RP template, which we've talked about on the podcast before, right. which was pretty helpful for me um that's one of the things to do every night before it's like protein have something and, right, yeah exactly. get it get if you can four or five hundred calories that way and everybody knows 500 calories a day will give you a pound a month so uh, 500 calories out will take a pound a month off what do you think uh what's like a healthy if maybe I, everybody didn't know that but. well i don't think it's quite that simple i've heard you say that before and i cringe a little bit i think it's like a good rule of thumb but like 
it's it's metabolically expensive to build muscle. So just adding those calories. We try to make them somewhat quality, you know, right. a little quality in there. And then some people have like very adaptive metabolisms, and, and like it might take more. more. Right, right, exactly. But, but as guess, a general rule, there's three thousand calories in a right, pound. So. Right. Um, what's a healthy amount of weight to gain in a month? Well, I don't it, healthy. And your training, right? Yeah. Hard training, eating pretty good. Assuming there's no yeah, so outside influence from yeah. Mexican supplements. Correct. I don't know, maybe <laughs> three pounds. If you did three, three pounds a month. Three pounds, I don't think you're going to be blubbery. Right. You know? It's like three pounds a month. Three pounds a month. In six months, you're going to be 18 pounds heavier. Okay, I guess you think about it like that. Right? I mean, that's pretty good. That must gain. be for a man. Do you think women can gain weight at the same rate of men? Some women or can. Smaller. You probably can't. Like, I mean, we're smaller in general. Yeah. So. Some women would say, oh, that's way too much. I'll gain 20, you know, 30 pounds. But you probably wouldn't be able to. But if you gain two pounds a month, you'd be up 12 pounds by uh, June. Yeah. It just seems like for, like, somebody like myself who's been lifting a long time, like, yeah. there's no way I'm putting on two pounds of lean mass in a month. You, if Maybe if we looked at what you're eating and what your training is, you yeah. might. You know? And and of course you have to gain some fat. Like I'm not. I was I'm just going to say. I'm not denying that. I was um, just going to say, anytime you lose, you're going to lose a little muscle. Anytime you gain, you're going to gain a little fat. So don't panic, everybody. Yep. That's how, that's how it goes. But if you carry the weight around, I told you this. Don't start going. Don't yo-yo it. If you can hold the weight, you'll get harder and harder and harder. So you you would recommend increase your body weight and then recomp at that new body weight as opposed to just hold it. Right, It'll, you'll harden up. I promise you. So you lose it, put it back on. You'll get up. You'll be all. Yeah, that up. whole like pattern has never been attractive to me. Like right. the bulking okay. and cutting. But at the same time, you can't just recomp forever. No, uh, you know, like no, at some point you're going to have to. You'll find a spot you like. Maybe you like the look or your strength, whatever your, whatever the goal is, and you hold it for a while. When you get ready to change, we we'll talk about it. You guys got anything else you want to uh, touch on on this uh, live podcast number one? Uh, I like this. Yeah, this is a, this has been this fun. Is fun. We, well, we have to make some adjustments with like having the phones closer so we can yeah, see so we them. can actually see them. Maybe we'll. I mean, we should really just try to get like a real camera or just do it through my laptop. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. with okay. a webcam. It's uh, a learning experience. Thanks everyone for joining. Yeah, we'll talk to you next in. year. It won't be the next year until we talk to you. Uh, we have the women's meet March tenth. March tenth. Yeah, it's we, full, but. Come by and see it. We've got Dynamax returns to the Armory May 12th. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting all the registration stuff together now. I was actually working on that this morning. We're targeting like mid-January maybe for that to go live. Um, oh, that's right. It'll be The entries will be available. The entries yeah. will be available he here. You'll be able to register online. Every single person that registered for the Women's Meet registered online, which is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, nobody... Um, no so pe mail? people nope. seem to like that option. Um, so yeah, well, we're going to cap it at 60 lifters because we're doing a one-day meet. Um, we're going back to the one-day meet. We think it's going to work because we're a little bit more efficient now with some of the upgrades that Michael made. So we're going to start promptly at 9. We're just going to like run it through. So we're definitely going to cap it at 60 lifters. But you know, I, 60, everybody. We're, we're putting this up early enough. It's not going to like sell out or anything overnight. So um so yeah, we'll we'll put out an announcement when that is available. Excellent, and come watch myself and Ryan Montague compete in the USAPL meet. What's I'll the location? Be there. February twenty fourth. It's called the something Undaunted Powerhouse, I believe, is what it's called. I don't know where it is. It's in Augusta. It's in Augusta. USAPLmeet.com for more information. Sorry, to, I know those guys listen to this podcast. Sorry, I don't have more info offhand, um, but we'll be there. 
uh, Dynamax will be there in full effect. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks to the listeners who joined us live. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys for coming in on short notice. And Look at these devils. <laughs> <laughs> Put it up there. <laughs> All right, over and out. That was cool.